Welcome to the Creekside Community Church Podcast. If you don't yet follow Jesus, we want to provide you with a safe place to explore the Christian faith. If you are a Christian, we want to provide you with resources to help you grow in your faith and ultimately serve Jesus more effectively. For more information or to partner with us, visit our website at creekside.cc. Subscribe so that you don't miss any of our messages. We hope this content helps you take your next step with Jesus. So a couple weeks ago, uh, some of us on staff, we went to celebrate uh, Deanna's 10-year anniversary of being a Creekside. So Deanna, happy 10-year anniversary. Thank you. Kind of a funny 10-year anniversary to celebrate. (laughs) (laughs) But we really appreciate you and all that you do. And you had said, I want to do something fun. And so uh, we kind of did a combination celebration and team building time. And we went to uh, the Clue Room. And you know what? We didn't do very well. (laughs) What's a clue room? Yeah, so we did uh, one of those escape room challenges. So I don't know if you've ever seen people do these or if you've done them. Um, But basically, you're with a group of people, and you get kind of put in a room, and your job is to solve the mystery that's in that room. And there's a bunch of locked boxes and uh, clues, and so you have to kind of work your way through the story and find all the clues. And most of them, and like ours was, we had an hour time limit. And uh, you could press a little button, actually, to get clues if you felt like you needed them. And we needed all of them. <laughs> I started just posting the answer. <laughs> yeah. Actually, yeah, I'm pretty sure uh, we used every single clue that they had. And then some, like, some of them, instead of just saying, like, oh, look at this and this, the clue is actually, like, the code is this. Just use the code. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we didn't we didn't do as great as I had hoped. I thought, you know, we're a good team. We'll do great. But uh, <laughs> I don't know if you've ever done it. It was actually a lot more challenging than I thought. But I was actually thinking about that for this week's message. Because if you've been following along with us in the Gospel of Luke, it's um, kind of like Luke has been recording for us all these clues as to who Jesus is. And... Just like for us in that clue room, a bunch of the clues are really, really obvious, like uh, right out there in kind of in-your-face clues as to Jesus' identity. And, um, and actually, like next Sunday, we're going to finally hear from both Peter and Jesus, who is Jesus. Um, it's kind of get the big reveal. And then, um, but this week, in this week's message, we're kind of getting the final clues on the table. And again, they're, they're big and obvious clues. So I hope you'll join me as we study this together. Um, if you're at home, you can pull out a Bible if anyone here needs one. I've got a couple out. We're going to be in Luke chapter 9. If you're watching online, uh, you'll have the text uh, alongside your screen there as well. But no one in here does. So uh, Luke chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. Let me read this uh, to us. It says, Uh, Summoning the twelve, he gave them power and authority over all the demons and to heal diseases. And then he sent them to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Take nothing for the road, he told them. No staff, no traveling bag, no bread, no money, and don't take an extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay there and leave from there. Don't move around and try and find the best lodging in town. (laughs) Um, If they don't welcome you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. 
And so they went out and traveled from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing everywhere. Uh, so this is an interesting passage for a number of reasons. Um, one is that we already saw the calling of these people. Jesus spent um, all night in prayer, praying for who he should designate as apostles. And so there was a bigger group of disciples or followers of Jesus, and then the 12 were, were the apostles. And that word apostle means sent ones or messengers. And so what's interesting about this passage is that uh, I view this as kind of um, driver's training for the apostles, right? Uh, if you had to go through driver's training when you got your license, which I think everyone has to, um, it's a lot safer than just sticking you in a car and being like, good luck, right? Um, eventually, Jesus is going to send the disciples out without him, um, after the resurrection and the ascension, he, he says, you know, you're going to be my witnesses in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And he sends them out. Um, but this is kind of the on-the-ground, hands-on training. Uh, it's an initial mission, and it's giving them hands-on experience um, in doing what he's going to ultimately have them do full-time. And it's a good reminder that Jesus wasn't simply teaching his disciples. This wasn't like a just... Uh, listen and receive the end of the story. He was actually inviting them to participate in his mission, and he was really, in a lot of ways, apprenticing them. Um, some things emerge from this passage. If you notice, uh, Jesus asks them, and he's very explicit about it. He says, hey, I'm going to send you out, but basically I want you to trust the Father's provision for this initial journey. It's interesting because it, his instructions actually change a little bit later on when he sends them out again and when he sends them out um, ultimately, but for now, he really wants them to learn the lesson to trust the Father's provision. Um, don't take anything extra. Don't take extra money. Just rely on what I will provide you. Um, and I think it's a good lesson for us that God is faithful to provide for what he calls us to do. And so here's the point that I think emerges from this passage and then the feeding of the 5,000 we're going to look at next. And here's the, the main idea for today is that Jesus invites us to trust in his provision and participate in his mission. That's what he asks the disciples to do. Trust my provision. Um, will you trust that I will provide what you need as you go out and participate in my mission? Um, again, this is not a, just a receiving thing. This is a participation thing. And I think those same things... God invites all of us to do too, to trust his provision and to participate in his mission. And so just something for you to consider and maybe even talk about if you're watching with someone, uh, your husband or wife, friends and family over, um, do you trust God's provision or is that something you struggle with? Do you rely uh, on your own provision or are you trusting God's provision Again, kind of like Kirk was hinting at, I think that's something that we're being forced to question and consider as a church community, even right now. Well, let's move on, because what happens next actually raises and lifts up this question that we're going to focus on. Verses 7 through 9 says, uh, Herod the Tetrarch heard about everything that was going on. He was perplexed, because some said that John had been raised from the dead, some that Elijah had appeared, and others that one of the ancient prophets had risen. His response is, I, well, I beheaded John, so it can't be him, right? Uh, I beheaded John, Herod said, but, but who is this I hear such things about? And he wanted to see him. So this is just one of many times that uh, Luke 
brings up and highlights people asking this question, who is this? And so we find it on the lips of Herod the Tetrarch now, um, but we found it on the lips of a bunch of different people throughout the Gospel of Luke. I just want to point out a couple of them. A few chapters ago in Luke chapter 720, um, messengers from John the Baptizer are sent to Jesus. And they say, are you the one who is to come or are, shall we look for someone else? You're not quite fitting what we expected about the coming king. In Luke 7, 49, um, Jesus forgives the sinful woman. She, he says, your sins are forgiven. And the people are there are questioning, who is this who even forgives sins? And then just last week, we looked at um, how Jesus calmed the storm and how the disciples were afraid of the storm. And then after Jesus calms the storm, they're still afraid. Now they're afraid of Jesus in a way. Um, and they say, who is this who commands the seas and wind and they obey him. So the disciples are asking people when Jesus forgives sins are asking and now Herod the Tetrarch is asking who is this? I know it's not John the Baptist, right? I killed him. <laughs> but who, who is this guy? Who is this Jesus? And again I think Luke is including all these people having the same question because the gospel writer Luke wants us to ask this question too. Who is Jesus? And I just want to say, asking that question is good. But it's interesting because Herod the Tetrarch, it says, it records, it says, he wondered who it is and he wanted to see him and then it just moves on. And the implication is that Herod the Tetrarch didn't actually go and find out more. And so it's really good to say, who is this Jesus? And to do some investigation. It's even better, or the complete picture is to seek answers, not just ask questions. Um, Wondering who Jesus is is a great starting point, but it's not the end point. Don't be content to simply ask questions. Let's seek answers. So Herod the Tetrarch is asking, who is this Jesus? And then Jesus, again, has just sent out his apostles. They're proclaiming the kingdom of God, and they're healing, and they're going from town to town, two by two. Um, and something to think about is, as they did this, can you imagine what questions people would be asking of them? As they're going from town to town and saying, you know... Jesus did this and this and sharing stories about what Jesus has done and saying, and we're also sharing this message that the kingdom of God is here. Um, inevitably, as they did this, a bunch of people would have said, who is your rabbi? Who is this Jesus? And so the disciples, again, are would be um, considering this. And we're going to get the big reveal, the big answer next Sunday, but we get one final clue uh, in the story that happens next um, this is the feeding of the 5,000, and it's funny because for most of us, we just think like, wow, that's awesome, bread, great. Um, but actually, for the original uh, people who experienced this, this would have been this really big in-your-face clue as to Jesus' identity. So let's look at it. Um, so when the apostles returned, when they had done as Jesus had commanded them, they, they participated in his mission, they relied on his provision, they did it. And then they returned, and they reported to Jesus all that they had done. And he took them along and withdrew privately to a town called Bethsaida. Um, in the Gospel of Mark, there's kind of an additional note here that says that basically they're exhausted. And Jesus says, hey, like, let's go away by ourselves to a quiet place to rest. Like, they've done a bunch of ministry. They need a time to rest. That's actually the purpose of them withdrawing to this place near Bethsaida. But, verse 11, when the crowds found out, they followed him. Uh, and Jesus didn't send them away. He wasn't like, it's my Sabbath day, go away. <laughs> uh, he welcomed them. Uh, he spoke to them about the kingdom of God, and he healed those who needed healing. 
late in the day, right? They'd been there all day long. Late in the day, the 12 approached Jesus and said to him, send the crowd away so they can go into the surrounding villages and countryside to find food and lodging because we're in a deserted place here. You give them something to eat, he told them. I just love to picture like what they're like. I don't know, like, what, yeah, what are we supposed to do, right? You give them something to eat, he told them. And they said, uh, we have no more than five loaves and two fish, unless we go and buy food for all these people. For about 5,000 men were there, and women and children were there as well. Um, so a big, big, big group of people. And then he told his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. They did what he said and had them all sit down. And then he took the five loaves and the two fish. And here's kind of a foreshadowing of the Lord's Supper in a way, too. And looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke them. Like his body would be broken eventually. And then I love how this is recorded. It says, he kept giving them, talking about the pieces of bread and fish, he kept giving them to the disciples to set before the crowd. Everyone ate and was filled. They picked up 12 baskets of leftover pieces. Uh, such a beautiful story about not just that God provides. It's not like everyone ate a tiny snack and was able to make it home. But like this super abundance, right? They all ate to their fill, were satisfied, didn't want to eat anymore. And then they picked up 12 basketfuls um, afterwards. And a lot of people pointed out that, you know, that number 12, Almost always when you encounter it, it's pretty significant, right? There's 12 apostles to represent the 12 tribes. And perhaps this is like 12 basketfuls represents not just that maybe each of the apostles had a basket, but also this fulfillment of God feeding his people over abundance for all of God's people. So again, the point is Jesus invites us to trust in his provision and participate in his mission. And again, this is what you see in this story too. Not just the sending of the twelve, but also the feeding of the five thousand. Um, Jesus ministers to the people, but then he also provides for them. He provides food for them. And instead of Jesus just like snapping his fingers and making bread and fish appear in front of every person, what does he do? He gives it to the disciples, and then they in turn give it to the people. Um, he's having them participate in what he's doing. He's involving them in his work of bringing the kingdom of God. But again, I said uh, this is actually a big clue as to his identity. So let's talk about that for a minute. Um, to understand this, you need to know some Old Testament background. Let me read to you from Isaiah chapter 25. It says this. Uh, Isaiah 25, verses 6 through 9. says, On this mountain, the Lord of armies will prepare for all the peoples a feast of choice meat, a feast with aged wine, prime cuts of choice meat, fine vintage wine. On this mountain, he will swallow up the burial shroud, the shroud over all the peoples, the sheet covering all nations. I'm talking about death being this thing that covers all of us. When he has swallowed up death once and for all, the Lord God will wipe away the tears from every face and remove his people's disgrace from the whole earth. For the Lord has spoken. On that day it will be said, look, this is our God. We have waited for him and he has saved us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let's rejoice and be glad in his salvation. Oh, 
what these verses and a bunch of others like them in the Old Testament were pointing to is this idea of something called the Messianic Banquet. Um, it's kind of a technical term. But Messianic just refers to, you know, related to the Messiah, the king that they were looking forward to. And there's all kinds of these prophecies you find in the Old Testament that not only will this coming king bring justice and healing to the nations and restoration to Israel, he's also bringing food to this party. Um, He's going to bring a feast. And so when these Jewish people familiar with these prophecies are in the wilderness and all of a sudden there's a feast, what's going on? Their minds being drawn to prophecies like this. It's like, oh, this guy's providing a feast in the wilderness. Who does that? The Messiah. Yeah, the Messiah is the one who does that. Uh, here's a quote from scholar D.A. Carson. He says, The feeding of the 5,000 is a sign that points to Jesus as the true bread of life who satisfies the hunger of the soul. It anticipates the messianic banquet where Jesus will provide eternal nourishment to all who believe in him. And for those of you who were um, with us uh, two weeks ago, we talked about this weird thing with the kingdom of God being already slash not yet. We talked about Colorado, the changing of seasons. You guys remember that? Where like, hey, it's April. What should you expect? Uh, you should expect both crazy weather, right? Both sunshine some days and rain and even snow other days, right? And we live in this both and reality. And... Again, this is a time where we see that in Jesus' ministry. Sometimes people go hungry, and then sometimes he brings super abundance. Um, The kingdom is about the healing and restoration of everything. Um, If you remember, part of the fall and the brokenness of this world is even like having hunger and famine and want. And so when God's king comes, he brings fixing and healing to that as well. So again, one way to think about what's going on here with this final clue as Jesus' identity is um, you may have experienced at different times in your life where you're in a certain situation and because of how someone responds or what they do, you know who they are. So Janelle and I were just talking about like different ways that this takes place. But like if you're ever like um, maybe at a fair or on an airplane and there's some kind of medical emergency and some random person runs forward and starts helping the person, what do you think about that person? That's a real question. You guys can answer. <laughs> they're a medical professional. Yeah, yeah, they're a medical professional, right? Mm-hmm. The What they do hints at who they are, right? And that's exactly what we have going on here. What Jesus is doing is, for the people, showing them who he is. Um, he's providing a feast in the wilderness. He must be this this king, this Messiah. So again, the point is this. Um, Jesus invites us, not just his disciples, he invites us to trust in his provision and participate in his mission. Trust in his provision and participate in his mission. And so um, what I would love for all of us to consider and all of you watching is just both those things. And if they are true of you, are you trusting in his provision, trusting in the Heavenly Father for providing. Again, I feel like I'm struggling with that a little bit in the aftermath of all this going on as a church. And I think it's so easy to just simply rely on ourselves and our own strength. And so let's pray and ask God to help us 
um, to trust in his provision. And then secondly, though, to participate in his mission. And um, the danger of, um, honestly, just like doing church like this, where you're hearing, teaching, you're receiving, can kind of make it feel like, oh, Christianity is just kind of a, a receiving thing, a receiving teaching, the end, good. Um, but that's really not what it's about. Um, it wasn't for the disciples and it isn't for us. Jesus says, you know, follow me, not just learn from me, but follow me. Um, become my apprentice. Um, do the things I do. Treat others the way I treated them. And so he invites all of us to also participate in his mission. And that looks totally different depending on your phase of life and your relationships. That looks one way for moms and a different way for dads. It looks one way if you're retired and one way if you're working full time. Um, but regardless, all of us are called to participate in God's mission in this world. His mission of bringing restoration and healing and spreading the good news of Jesus' kingdom to every man, woman, and child. And so uh, we're going to close in prayer, and then we're going to um, have Kirk sing one more song for us. And uh, I'd love for this last song to be um, a prayer that we pray over each other. Um, it's called The Blessing, where we say, that Lord, bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you. And... Um, this wasn't one of the songs that Kirk thought of for this week. It was one of the ones I thought of. And I met Kirk, was, you're probably even a little confused. Like, how does this fit this passage? But what, what I was thinking of when I thought of it is just that idea of participating in his mission. Um, of praying God's blessing over the people we know and the people we love and even our enemies. Um, but one of the ways we participate in that mission is through this activity of prayer where we pray God's will over people's lives. And so um, we're going to close by doing that in a minute. Um, but first, um, let me pray. And then I also just want to say, if you have special prayer needs, um, number one, if you're willing to do this, you can put them in the chat. Um, and we'd love to pray for those things together. And everyone watching would join in prayer. If it's more of a confidential thing, um, you can submit a prayer request on our church website. Um, or you can just email me. If you got any of my emails this week about the things going on, you can just reply to that email and it'll go straight to me and I'll just only share that with our staff members. And um, we'd love to keep you in prayer um, during this time. You have a special prayer need. <laughs> so let's pray together and then uh, sing together. Jesus, thank you for who you are. And you don't just come announcing that and saying, you know, believe it or else. Uh, you demonstrated through every single thing you did uh, the way you treated people, the way you calmed the seas and the storms, the way you forgave people's sins, and the way you fed your people in the wilderness, you are showing who you are. God, in those moments when we're struggling to trust your provision, when we're tempted to rely on our own strength, would you just remind us deep in our hearts of who you are and how great you are and how good you are? in your steadfastness of character and love. And would you help us to trust in that truly? And God, if we've been kind of resting back and not active and not considering um, what it means to serve you in our day-to-day -day life, would you help us to move forward? And thank you so much for all the people in our church who are doing that. And would you give us encouragement and strength as we continue um, to do that and to seek together to participate in your mission in this world of bringing healing to all people and everyone and everything. 
I ask these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.